Fab Lab Podcast, episode 69, Trust versus Turnover. Welcome to the Fab Lab, the stone industry's only podcast dedicated exclusively to the business side of your stone shop, where we focus on improving operations inside the business so we can experience more life outside of it. So let's get down to business. Welcome back to another episode of the Fab Lab Podcast. So glad to be with you on this fine Friday morning. Not Friday afternoon. I'm your host, Aaron Crowley, back in the studio with Wes Rice, my co-host. How you doing, Wes? Ah, doing fantastic, Aaron. Great to be back and uh, looking forward to this topic. I'm really looking forward to this discussion today because we started talking about this earlier in the week, and the more I've thought about it, the more I've planned for this episode, uh, the more important I believe this topic is to this essential question of how do we reduce turnover, how do we lower turnover, how do we keep people from leaving our company so we have to go hire their replacements? Today's topic is incredibly powerful. So I'm really excited to discuss this with you today. Oh, me too. I think it's, uh, of all the topics we've done, this is at the top going to be one of my favorites. There's a lot of takeaways from this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into that, want to mention, highlight, this is a huge deal. We crossed a milestone this last week since the last episode was published. Wes, what was that? We crossed 9,000 downloads. Holy cow. 68 episodes and 9,000 downloads. That is tremendous. And so, ladies and gentlemen, friends, fans, I don't know, followers of the Fab Lab podcast, number one, I want to say thank you. That is a, you, you, if you'd have told me that a year and a half ago when we started the podcast, I would have thought, I have a hard time believing that's the case. And so, what does that mean? Well, I think it means that the audience is growing, clearly, because the rate at which our downloads are occurring is increasing. But just the fact, fellow fabricators, that you are engaging, you're tuning in every week, we just consider that such an honor and a privilege. So number one, wanted to say thank you. And since then, we're like in the 91, almost 9200 range already this week. And so what we wanted to do was just ask. You've already done a great job supporting the Fab Lab podcast, supporting our great sponsors. But we want to ask you, fellow fabricators, to help us get to 10,000. This is a huge stretch, huge stretch. Help us get to 10,000 before the end of the month of October. Is it possible for us to reach that milestone before the end of this month? And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you know another fabricator, if there's another individual in your company, if you know somebody who would benefit or may not have or hasn't heard about the Fab Lab podcast but would benefit from it, would you share the Fab Lab podcast with them? If you're driving to the job site, a lot of guys tell me they like listening to the Fab Lab podcast on the way out every day. Hmm. Kind of sets them all on the same page for discussion, maybe topics throughout the day. And also, guys in the shop fabricating. A lot of them have earbuds in, and they're listening to music. Hmm. But as they're fabricating, polishing, running the CNC, mm-hmm. uh, having that in the background, it's a great time to listen, pull it out, and, mm-hmm. uh, and share it with your friends. Yeah, and it really it does set the stage for great conversations, mm-hmm. for great discussions in terms of growing. You know, ha- having conversations, and in some cases, even not necessarily disagreeing. But it opens up a dialogue yeah. where you can debate, you can discuss, you can challenge, you can grow. Um, and so, yeah, whether it's employees in your shop, supervisors in your shop, or if it's a fellow fabricator in another state, you, you may not want to share this with your closest competitor if you don't <laughs> think they've started listening to it yet and you want to retain these principles, you know, as a competitive advantage in your region. Uh, but share, would you would you share this podcast with somebody else in the industry so that we can reach that milestone by the end of this month? That would be fantastic. So we better, we better get cracking here, Wes. We better get to this topic before uh, time runs out. And so before we do... We do have a word from our sponsor, No Lift Install System. Briefly, while we're on this topic of discussion, this turnover conversation, it, I mean, it is a real issue. 
turnover has a tremendous expense associated with it. So anything we can do to reduce it is going to positively, and in some cases, the, the, the positive impact is going to be multiplied because of that tremendous cost. And so when you're talking about installers, highly skilled labor that are not, it's true, those guys are not easily replaced. There's typically not a line of installers lining up outside the door looking for jobs because everybody's so busy right now. So here's a question. How are you going to prevent an injury for one of those highly skilled employees? Because if they suffer an injury or they get to the point where their body's just so wore out that they can't continue to do that work, that's turnover. That position has got to be filled. It's got to be replaced. And the cost of replacing one of those highly skilled installers is really extraordinary. So one of the ways you can do that is by buying the NoLift install system. Go to NoLiftSystem.com. They've got fantastic financing on approved credit, $169 a month. I've talked to so many fabricators, Wes. So many fabricators have former installers working for them. In fact, we had an application. Somebody applied for a position in the company that we weren't actually hiring for, but guess what they were? Former installer? They were a former installer. Ah. During the interview process, mm-hmm. we still interviewed him. Mm-hmm. Came out, so I could do pretty much anything but install. Oh, My man. body just can't take it any longer. And we really weren't, we didn't have a place for him. But anyway, it makes the case, it makes the point. Um, it's a real issue. The reality of installing 3CM countertops, if you're picking those things up from a truck, carrying them up the driveway, up the stairs, and into the house every day, it's just a matter of time before that takes its toll. You can alleviate that. You can limit that risk, and in some cases, completely eliminate it by getting a no-lift install system. So check out noliftsystem.com. Check out their fantastic $169 a month financing. On approved credit. On approved credit. <laughs> and see how you can you could take that step to reduce that risk in your business. So now back to this this topic. We dealt really forcefully, very bluntly, mm-hmm. with three lies about the labor shortage and turnover last week. We're not going to beat that dead horse. But in there, we referenced studies. And so one of the things I did this week in preparation for this episode is I went and looked up a couple of those studies. Lo and behold, simple search, why employees leave, Google, top two articles, Forbes and Inc. Guess what? Compensation does not get into the top five in either of these studies. And these are reputable companies. This isn't like Aaron Crowley at the Fab Lab podcast (laughs) talked to three of his fabrication buddies and came up with this survey. This is Inc. Magazine and Forbes Magazine did these studies and wrote these articles. Compensation doesn't wind up in the top five. It was really interesting. And so we're going to get into some of the nuts and bolts of that because it also connects to the conversation you and I had as we were preparing for this conversation. We were talking about culture. Mm-hmm. talking about a working environment. We were kind of texting back and forth and kind of trying to identify a couple of like sort of subtopics for that discussion so we could hone in on them. And you came to me with a very, very important revelation, realization. What was that? Trust yep. and all the things that stem from that. Yep. And I could still, I could still see where you and I were talking when you mentioned that because it was such an aha moment for me. It was just like, Forget all the different points. It all comes back to that. You can trace everything back to that. And actually, we had that conversation before I did this search for these articles Mm. on the top reasons why people leave. And and ladies and gentlemen, this is a fantastic concept. This is a fantastic and very interesting topic to discuss. So we're going to get into that now. So why don't you go ahead and read the top six reasons. Um, Inks had top five, and so the money didn't even enter into that one. But read, the, read the, the Forbes list of the top six reasons employees quit. Yeah, so the top six reasons are, number one, they're overworked. Number two, they're not being challenged. Number three, they're being stifled. Number four, they aren't given developmental opportunities. 
Number five, they aren't appreciated. And number six, they aren't compensated fairly. Number six. Wow. So let's let's just step back. If if people are leaving for a small increment incremental pay raise, according to Forbes, they would say there's probably five other factors at work that are actually leading them to start looking for another job opportunity. And yeah, if somebody needs an employee and I can get you for an extra buck an hour, boy, yeah, easy. So it may come across as though it's a pay issue. More than likely, it's one of these other five topics. And so as we started reviewing this in the lieu of this conversation that we had about trust and that aha moment, that like light bulb went off. And it also reminded me of another conversation I recently had with the general manager of another fab shop. He was talking about the fact that in this company, ownership doesn't trust the employees. And that was his assessment. And that's why it connected so immediately. It was so fresh in my mind that they have a lot of turnover in this company because the ownership of the company does not trust their employees to do the work. There's distrust. And that creates an environment that actually is very negative. And then you could probably see why some of these things are present. If you look at this, not being challenged, okay, if you're stuck and you're not given the opportunity to, to learn new things or to do new things or take on new responsibility, we can all experience, we can all, in a sense, relate to that. I've done this. It's now become rote. It's become boring. It's become, it's so sad. I don't even have to think about it. I'm not being challenged. Gosh. Give me but, a new challenge. But can I trust you with more? Is, oh, that's that. That's the thing. So there's the connection there. The next one, being stifled. I'm being. I'm being held back. I could do more. I'm capable of more. Mm, I'm not sure. I see it. I'm not sure. I'm ready to trust you. <laughs> to trust you with that added <laughs> responsibility. So now here's the third one. Not given developmental opportunities. Those are opportunities to grow into new roles. Well, what does that require? If you're gonna give somebody more responsibility, you gotta trust them. You got to trust them. What is the dominating emotion, do you think, behind an, uh, the difficulty of entrusting somebody with new responsibility, a new opportunity? Fear. Wes, you and I didn't talk about that before I asked you that question, but that's the exact answer I would have given. I, I think the underlying emotion is fear, which prevents an owner from entrusting. There's so much at stake. But that puts you into this terrible situation where this environment that we're talking about, and here's the last of the four, I believe four out of the six directly relate to trust. Here's the last one, the fourth, they're not appreciated. Mm. I believe that when you take a critical task, an important job in the business, and you truly entrust one of your employees to actually perform that task, you may not be saying it, but what you are saying, uh, you're appreciating their trustworthiness that you, you recognize their potential. In a sense, it's an affirmation. You are recognizing what they're capable of. So basically, this, this, this fourth of the six topics that relate to trust not being appreciated, it really comes back to when you put something of value in somebody's hands, that in and of itself is expressing appreciation for their abilities, for your trust in them. If you're unwilling to release work to somebody, what you're saying is, is I don't trust you. You could also say that you're saying, I don't appreciate what you bring to the company. I don't appreciate your potential. And so when you extend trust, when you entrust critical work to the people in your organization, you in effect are creating, those are all aspects of this environment. 
your employees are able to grow, they're able to be challenged, they're able to take on new opportunities, they're able to feel that sense of affirmation that the, the boss just took something of extreme value to him. The stakes are quite high. If this is screwed up, just like you were saying about templating. So just like templating, if you if you go out and measure something and you know someone else like the owner or the boss is coming up behind you to double check all your measurements, well, they don't really trust you and you know that. And so you never really take ownership of your position. Yep. And if you do not have ownership and they do not fully trust you, the, the company will not grow beyond that. Because yep. all of a sudden the owner has that on his plate or the boss has that on his plate as well as things to take care of. Yep. But if you release that and the templater, for example, if he's out measuring something and he knows that that setback, that faucet placement comes back on him and he really knows that if he messes up, mm-hmm. it's not someone else who can share the blame. Mm-hmm. It's not, And it's not about blaming, but... Well, it's about ownership, like yeah. you were saying. It, it's, and that's something that a lot of employees want. Mm-hmm. They desire their employees to have an ownership mentality. Unfortunately, they, they, and the owner has all the responsibility at the end of the day. It carries that full weight. But if the owner doesn't release the full responsibility to the person doing that work, they're, they're demonstrating a lack of trust, and it's probably fear-based. And it really does limit the, the ability to fully leverage that employee's contribution. So that's the, the practical negative of that. But on the other side, as it gets back to this discussion about the culture, you, you, you create, when someone's looking over your shoulder, when somebody's second-guessing everything you do, when somebody is giving you responsibility, but then it's, it's conditional or there's strings attached, and you never get to fully own it, you, you, it's like what you said. Well, they're never going to really own it. And so you, you, you get the worst of both worlds, in a sense. You, you get at the expense of having that person doing it, but then you've got to be ultimately responsible as the owner. And it creates this environment that is based out of distrust. It creates a negative, um, in, in a sense, a negative culture. And, and so that, I think, is just... Because like on the previous episode, we had talked about employees want to do good. Yep. They want to be productive. Mm-hmm. And if they have ownership of it, they're going to take the reins and run with it. Because yep. there's essentially a pie of, acti- or of things that need to be taken care of in a business. Mm-hmm. And initially, the owner has all those. He's responsible for all of them. And yep. ultimately, he always is. But if you can delegate... Yep. with confidence and trust of someone to run it, that's no longer on your plate. You can mm-hmm. focus on other growth, other yep. areas uh, that need to be addressed. And that employee is going to be happy. He's yep. going to be fulfilled and really a powerful contributing member to the team. Yep. So when you say, I'm going to entrust you with this task, it's another way of saying, I'm going to delegate this task mm-hmm. to you. But if it's delegated halfway, then you miss out on that potential. But when it's delegated fully, when you fully trust and entrust that individual with that responsibility, with that task to perform that work within the business that is extremely important. Templating being one very important you know, job. The rest of them are all very important too for them to be done right. Well, I think the thought is the, the buck stops there. Yeah. You know, you, like, hey, I'm going to trust you to do this. It stops with you. Yeah. So, and chances are that employee's going to take it and run with it and have ownership of it, yep. which is what you want. Yep. And so that ownership doesn't mean they're never supervised. It no. doesn't mean there isn't a double check. In fact, many of our positions here, there are checklists that the individual fills out when they're done doing the task. Oh, there's still accountability for sure. Yes, but it, but it's but it's a very clear delineation and distinction between a lack. It's not because we don't trust you. It's just because we understand the practical necessity of maintaining those standards. Mm-hmm. Having checklists helps in that a lot, yeah. as opposed to, 
I have to give this to you because I don't have time, but I don't really trust you mm-hmm. to fully take ownership of it. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to retain that. And that, uh, uh, you know, then all of these four, not being challenged, being stifled, not given opportunity, and not being appreciated, those things are all present in a culture, in a working environment where distrust is the underlying sort of foundation that that delegation takes place through. And so you never get to fully leverage those tools in the business to create an environment where everybody gets to grow, gets to be responsible, take responsibility, i.e. take ownership of their job. Uh, and and it's you're going to have more turnover in that environment. Chances are if there's people where you work that you probably don't trust, maybe from past performance or something that happened. Yeah. And you can't ha- hold that over them but it probably has to be resolved. Yeah. But the only way to really grow and get beyond that mm-hmm. is to start down the road of trusting them again. And you do that by having a conversation, yep. a regular conversation to, to grow. Otherwise, you will be stuck. Yeah, and there's probably two different ways to look at that when you're talking about can you trust somebody? Do you, do you not trust them? There are untrustworthy people that oh, yeah. can come to work in our businesses where truth, honesty, isn't one of their values. And so in a sense, you might have discovered, observed, I can't trust this person because they're untrustworthy. That That's a very different situation sure. than like you're saying, effectively communicating, beginning this discussion or um, to go down this road of entrusting somebody with work fully so that they can fully own that work and you can be relieved of it and still know that the outcome is going to be accomplished. Those are different things. We're not saying delegate work to untrustworthy people. Exactly, because there's some people that are going to value, that do value trust. Yep. And there's others that don't. Yep. But if they do, chances are, if you do not trust them, but they do value trust, it comes down to maybe misunderstanding, mm-hmm. a miss, uh, just from those first first topics weren't, weren't being fulfilled. Yep. Uh, had those been fulfilled, you might not have been in that situation yep. of... And I think in my, my experience, my own personal experience, you, you observe certain things and so you draw conclusions from them like, well, maybe I've done, here's the hypothetical, I've done a poor job of communicating my expectations. Now, I still have the expectation, but the employee who I gave the work to fails to meet my expectations because I didn't set them. But I can conclude subconsciously, I can't trust them to do that work because they failed me in the past. Oftentimes, I think the answer to that isn't that they're untrustworthy. It's that they can't read your mind. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, 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 the way of reestablishing that trust is, is starting over, first believing, okay, this person is capable. This person is a good em- employee. I'm going to start. I'm going to take a risk here, and I'm going to entrust them with a job, a task, some work to do. But I have got to, it's like we are always talking about here, that communication, that delegation, setting those expectations I've got to be really clear when I delegate that task, when I entrust them with that work, what it is I want them to do. And that's what's most oftentimes lacking in an employee's performance that an owner might conclude is, is a result of their lack of character. They're not trustworthy. I can't, I can't risk templating. There's, the stakes are too high and it's been proven in the past that too many mistakes are made. I've got to retain this task because I can't trust anybody else to do it right. We really have to see those things. You can't separate those two mm-hmm. things. You can't just entrust somebody. Okay, I'm going to take a leap of faith here and trust you to do this job and expect that they can read your mind 
and perform that task to your expectations. That's not going to, that's not going to get, you're going to then reinforce this idea that you can't trust your employees with critical tasks. And you're going to wind up going, I got to take that back. I got to do this myself. I got to look over their shoulder. I got to second guess everything. Are you sure you got that overhang right? Are you sure you got the center line on those jobs? Maybe I, should I go back out there and, you know, you're going to be right back in that, that kind of vicious circle where um, you got to have both of these. You've got to entrust. You've got to be willing to trust. And then you've got to be willing to do the work of setting those expectations so that they can fulfill your trust. This is what I expect. This is my threshold. This is so important that this get done right. But I want you to know I believe you're capable of doing it. So I'm going to put it in your hands. But we got to be really clear. That conversation has to take place so we're in agreement with what the successful performance of that work really looks like. And I think by and large, when you look at an environment where that is increasingly the case, where that ongoing communication is, is occurring, that clarity is, is, is happening, the environment does improve. People respond really well when you give them trust. There is a desire to reciprocate. That's a natural psychological reality. When you affirm and appreciate somebody by putting something important of value to you in their hands and they recognize this, is the, the boss has taken a risk by giving this to me and he's fully trusting me to do this and he set the expectations, I think a lot of employees will absolutely do whatever they can do. They will strive to meet the challenge, to validate themselves and get the appreciation that they otherwise might not get if they don't have the opportunity to do the work. And so... Ladies and gentlemen, that, that kind of starts to wrap up this discussion of trust. Is, is, is trust the foundation for the culture in your business? Because if it's not, you really don't have three options here. There's two. You either have a foundation of trust or it's a foundation of distrust. And if everything you're doing demonstrates a lack of trust towards your employees, you come back to these not being challenged, being stifled, not giving opportunities, and not being appreciated – those are four of the top six reasons why people leave a company. If you have those elements and all those parts together between setting them up for success with the expectations of the importance of it and then you let them run with it, it sets you up for, yeah. for growth, for freedom on your end too as the owner. Yep. So here's what I want. This is the minimum of what has to be accomplished. Let's say I set the, ex the expectation. You also set them up for the ability to exceed expectations. Now it's clear what I have to do is the minimum, but it's also clear I can exceed those and receive even more opportunity, even more affirmation, even more appreciation for doing more than the boss asked me to do. That's where those growth opportunities occur. Boy, you exceeded my expectations. You did more than I asked. It gives a point to measure so they can be like, hey, you blew past these expectations. And, and you know what? I can trust you with even more. Okay, I've got somebody I can trust. What a relief. You know what? That individual is probably going to get more responsibility offered to them. Now, it could get to the point where you overwork them, which is the number one people, <laughs> number one reason people leave. But you get the point. You establish that trust and it becomes stronger. And now even more opportunity is available to that individual. Imagine if that's at every level of the company. People are rising to the challenge, exceeding expectations, reinforcing, wow, I can trust my employees to do this work. It creates a really exciting environment. It does, setting those expectations, because if you mm -hmm. don't set the expectations, you, you might hear the things from guys saying, oh, that guy isn't motivated. Mm -hmm. Well, how do you measure motivation? Arbitra you can't measure if someone's motivated, yep. but, you can, but you can measure expectations. Yep. So you set those, they know the benchmark, and it, you can go back and reference it and see, they know exactly where they stand. Yep, exactly.
Exactly. Well, this has been a great conversation. This this is such an important. It's difficult though at the same time because yeah. you, fellow owner, fellow stone shop owner, you've got a lot at stake. It's mm-hmm. a huge risk to put that work in somebody else's hands because what if they do make a mistake? The costs are real. The expenses are real, and um, there's nobody but you to make up for them. So it's not to diminish. It's not to talk about this in a. Um, in a flippant manner, this no. is a difficult subject to deal with. It's a difficult place to get to where you could, but it's also at the same time an extremely freeing place. When all of a sudden you realize I got this group of people that are capable and trustworthy, man, big things are possible. Because if you're working eight hours with people, the guy next to you or gal next to you you're working eight hours with, mm-hmm. and you can trust them, and you're being challenged, and you enjoy your work, mm-hmm. I mean, you're in the place every day for eight hours at least. Yeah. Might as well make it good. It's going to take some work, but it does pay off. Yep. And it pays off in a culture that people are less likely to leave mm-hmm. or less likely to want to leave, yep. even if they're offered an extra buck an hour. Mm-hmm. Your turnover is lowered. Your profits go up. You retain those key people. and um, So you can get a – you can increase profits without spending more money. Exactly. Essentially. <laughs> you know, you – so that, when you break it down like that, it's because yeah. most of the time it's like, I got to throw more money at the situation. I got to pay someone more to do it. Well, mm-hmm. money's on the list, but it's not top of the list. So you're able to make some tweaks and understand mm-hmm. where trust where trust plays in this role. Yeah. And you'll reap the benefits. Yeah. So let, let's just take a moment to pause here. I'm just going to pose this question, fellow fabricators, audience of the Fab Lab podcast. Where do you fall on this continuum of trust? How much do you trust your employees? And what kind of a role is that playing in the culture within your fab shop? So something to think about. This is an ongoing, this is a never-ending. Every time you find yourself in a situation where you got to delegate a task, this trust issue comes up. You're going to have to be confronted with it. So how to delegate is also another component of this. So ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up this discussion about trust and the necessity of trust being the foundation for a culture that lowers turnover and reduces those expenses. But the other side of it is the actual delegation. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't been to AaronCrowley.com, check AaronCrowley.com out. You can get a copy of my book, Less Chaos, More Cash. You can also download the first three chapters for free. So Wes, that was a great discussion related to this topic that you brought up this last week on trust and how essential it is to be the foundation for a working environment or a culture that really helps to retain good employees and ultimately lowers turnover. So great job bringing this up. Uh, Thank you. I enjoyed it. And I think there's some good takeaways in this. I I absolutely agree. Another takeaway I want to leave you with, ladies and gentlemen, I want to to give you a story. I'm coming up on the 10-year anniversary of writing Less Chaos, More Cash, my book about effective delegation that, by the way, you can find at AaronCrowley.com. The way that that book came about, Wes, I was having lunch with my speaking coach. Way back then, I had this workshop called Managing for Immediate Results. That was the title of it. It was basically the fundamental principles in the book, Less Chaos, More Cash. I had hired the world champion Toastmaster, Randy Harvey. I'd heard him speaking. What did I do? I went up to him and I said, do you have room for a protege? Because I want to really learn how to speak better. And he said, as a matter of fact, I do. So I began, in a sense, under his tutelage, Learning how to speak. I was trying to develop this message. I was trying to develop this workshop. The first time I ever gave it was at an SFA conference down in Las Vegas. Before the SFA became mainstream, they wouldn't even let them do an SFA workshop within the confines. We had to do it at a different hotel altogether. (laughs) But I had given this talk, and I wanted to make it better. I wanted to improve as a speaker. 
Randy Harvey, this world champion Toastmaster, and I were sitting down having lunch. He said, Aaron, I'm going to tell you something. You need to write a book on this workshop. And then he said, because my goal was, was to grow my speaking. I wanted to improve as a speaker and I wanted to do more speaking. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, Aaron, writing a book on this topic will be a golden key that will open doors to speaking opportunities you would not get any other way. So interesting, it was one statement, one recommendation, one bit of advice. I started writing that book. I never talked to him again about that subject until I came back to him with a manuscript and asked him to write an endorsement that is actually in the book. You can see his endorsement on the inside cover of Less Chaos, More Cash. But the reason I mention that, that one statement, now that lunch probably cost me 250 bucks, <laughs> paying for his time because he was a paid coach. That one statement, though, transformed the trajectory of my professional career. I look where I am today, 10 years later, with a book, with this podcast, all the writing and all the speaking I've been able to do inside the stone industry and outside of it, and it would not have occurred had it been for that advice that he gave me, that I took and ran with. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I just mentioned that to once again demonstrate how in my own life, coaching has had a transformational impact on my career and on my life. And I want to invite you to engage with me, to connect with me as well, because that's the kind of work I'm beginning to do as a result of that book, as a result of this podcast, as a result of having owned a stone shop for 21 years, coaching other stone shop owners into massive transformational impact in their businesses. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if there's a topic you'd like to discuss, if there's a challenge that you're facing, if there's a discussion you'd like to have about anything in particular, I invite you to connect with me. Reach out to me. So the easiest way to reach out to me is just Aaron at AaronCrowley.com. You can also visit AaronCrowley.com. You can go to the bottom of the homepage and there's a form there. You can fill that out. It will get to me and I can respond and we can connect that way. And so, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to explore coaching, if you'd like to realize transformational impacts, having your mindset challenged, um, that's a way to do that. It's a way to impact your business. And so I invite you uh, to that conversation. Okay, so Wes, are we done here? I think that's a wrap. I think this was a fantastic topic to discuss. So ladies and gentlemen, fans, followers, friends of the Fab Lab podcast, happy Friday. So glad that you tuned in for another episode. Make sure you tune in next week for episode 70. And make sure you share this episode and the other ones with other fabricators in the industry so that we can reach that 10,000 download goal that we established at the beginning of the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great week. And until next time, happy fabricating.